podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Thank you for joining us on a Monday. I am your host, Philip Slavin, as always. And as always on a Monday, joining me here today, Andy Mitz. How's it going? Good to be here. Glad I didn't have to watch Kansas lose this weekend. You know what? Sometimes no football is good football, or at least in the case of of Kansas fans. So that's, that's a win. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and basketball season just a week away. Just a week away or so. Uh, Jamie Steyer. Basketball season. Now you're speaking my language. That's literally the only reason we brought Jamie on was to talk basketball. We just had to put up with her through football season. Muddling and she's a joy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and joining us today, a very special guest, uh, thanks to the fact that the Dallas Cowboys are on a bye week, uh, Ari Timken, whose voice you can hear uh, covering the Dallas Cowboys, as well as talking Big 12 sports on Big 12 Radio on Sirius XM. Ari, welcome back, sir. All the games that have been canceled in college football, how in the hell has Kansas not had any games canceled? I know, seriously. It's like ridiculous. <laughs> they, they've had a COVID list that's been like a mile long every single week. Like, they literally have a third of their roster on the did-not-dress list every week, and yet somehow they have managed to play all of them. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't know. The one team that's like, we, we're fine taking a week off. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, we don't need to. Like, just, you know what? Games Forget for it. Just go ahead and give yourself a W. Like, it's fine, whoever we're playing this week. It's don't the just. Thing. <laughs> well, you know, thinking about it, they've had, they have so many young guys that they have to play anyway, so they're just like, we'll just let all the young guys play. Who cares? <laughs> Basically call it a scrimmage every week. <laughs> it could be worse, though. We could have lost to Louisiana to open the season, you know, and not like a legit powerhouse like Coastal Carolina. Exactly. <laughs> or Arkansas State, who is, you know has a losing record so there's that as well. Yeah, but there's nobody from Kansas State on the podcast today so This is true, but I never have a problem. Ari thought that he was State. coming on a roast today, so Yes. Did you not know that ready. this is actually jokes. the roast of Jamie Steyer? Oh gosh. That's <laughs> I've been waiting. I don't know about that one. <laughs> no, we wouldn't waste the good off-season material for the middle of the season. Okay. Oh, good uh, point. So we do have a couple of games to get through from this past Saturday. Obviously, uh, we'll start off with Texas Tech and Baylor. Texas Tech getting a nice one-point win. Woo-hoo! If ever that, that, that name better fit this matchup than oh this year, God. I can't yes. think of it. I've never seen uh, Andy this happy about something in the entire time I've been on I, this podcast. I actually tweeted about that like right after halftime started. I'm like, if ever there was a game to live up to the name, like, this is the game that's living up to the name. And then just hashtag butt bowl. Like, I didn't even actually say it in the in the tweet. I just used the hashtag. I've just never seen you so excited about the word butt. That's that's what's really thrilling. Oh, every year. This is my favorite non-Kansas game of the year in the Big 12 because it has the best name possible. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so honestly, only thing I really have to talk about with this is uh, even in victory, I can find more ways to point out that Matt Wells is probably not a very good coach. It took them until this game and their previous kicker going 1-5 and five to go to the junior Jonathan Garibay, who went 4-4 four for four in the game in helping Texas Tech win, including a game winner as the clock expired. He had like a 48-yarder and a 46-yarder in this game. Like, congratulations to, to Matt Wells. 
Um, he basically tried to do the same thing he did in the TCU game, except like the way he managed the game, he got to kick it on, not second down. They got the win. Congrats to Texas Tech um, in winning the battle for ninth place and eighth place in the Big 12 this year. Uh, Baylor will finish in ninth, Texas Tech in eighth because of this. But why did it take them so long to find the field goal kicker who is actually able to kick field goals? I don't under like it's one thing when it takes you a while to figure out that the backup quarterback is the better quarterback, but we're talking kickers here. Like surely. Come on, four for four versus one and five. I mean, something something had to have been going on to practice. No, it feels like something that's less arbitrary. Like either you make it or you don't. Especially given how bad they'd been there. Uh, but let's let's just not overlook the two reasons they the two plays that won them this game. Two defensive plays. Colin Schooler just absolutely stuffing Connor Brewer on third oh, goal. Wow, Holy yeah. cow! And then the the breakup by Zach McPherson on on third down that got the ball back to Texas Tech. But I mean, to your point, they, they kind of stole stole the victory from the jaws of defeat there. Baylor went in the fourth quarter with a twenty three to twelve leave and lost. Like, that's yeah. just, I mean, I, and they're twenty to six in the second half. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and and honestly, if if you think about it, like Garibay was really the all around MVP because you know he was able to pin them deep because he punted as well. He punted five times and pinned them deep so many times. And Baylor's offense was having problems all game long. And the fact that they had to drive 85 to 90 yards on pretty much every drive that they had, you know, where Texas Tech hadn't scored, like that was huge for them. And so Garibay not only scored 12 points of his own on his kicks, but he also like panned Baylor deep to make it really hard for them to be able to actually do anything. Crazy. Well, um, as somebody said, that was enough butt stuff, but to me, I, I will take the butt bowl uh, once in football and twice in basketball every year, so I look forward to the basketball games. Those should actually be fun to watch uh, between two good basketball programs. That's enough basketball talk. Um, the other game on Saturday is the one we need to talk about a little bit more. Props to West Virginia getting a nice win over TCU on Saturday. Uh, the the loss to Texas Tech continues to look more and more weird. Um, I've reached the point with West Virginia where the defense is good enough. If they had a good quarterback, they probably would have beaten Texas. They definitely would have beaten Texas Tech, and they might have beaten Oklahoma State. So just to rub some salt in the wounds for West Virginia fans, put Will Greer on this team, and they're undefeated at this point, 8-0. Does that seem like a fair guesstimate? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe that's history written. But congrats to West Virginia. Defense remains awesome. Anybody have any thoughts on West Virginia before we move on to the first big topic at hand? It's it's hard to win as many games in the Big Twelve as West Virginia has with a good defense and a good running game. Like that's usually any other year, you're not going to win many games doing that, and that's what they've done this year. And I don't think it's going to get them wins against Oklahoma or uh, Iowa State down the stretch this season. But but no, I mean they they dominate on defense, and uh, and we'll see how dominating they can be against you know this explosive Oklahoma offense. Yeah, it's 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 also kind of weird in like the year of COVID where you wouldn't think home field advantage would matter very much. They are undefeated at home and have not won a game on the road, which is like the strangest thing in the strangest season that we've ever had. It is. It is. It does seem though like a, um, a major advantage with or without fans for them just because of the geographical side of things. It is a weird travel so out there. It really is. Yeah. Like having been there for the first time last year, I definitely saw why, people talk about it and how different it is just because it's a it's such a different place than anywhere else I mean obviously teams aren't going out and doing anything real exciting but it takes you out of your comfort zone a little bit and it is a longer trip than pretty much anywhere else you're gonna go it's a 
really kind of weird experience. That's that's kind of normal though, right? There's not really anything exciting to do out in West Virginia. Look, it, every other Big 12 fan base is mad at me already. I might as well, you know, throw West Virginia there as well. Hey, drink moonshine, burn couches. I don't know a better way to spend a Saturday night in the mountains. It's gorgeous. It's got, got beautiful mountains. I mean, it's the exact opposite topography of the state of Kansas, Andy. You know, it's like uh, not as flat <laughs> oh, as Oh, I know. I used to live out in Virginia and, and I would drive through there all the time. So, yeah, no, I, I completely understand. But all that there are two different there, states, but... Andy. I know, I know. But whenever I come back to visit Kansas, I have to drive through West Virginia to do it. And that's about Wait, kidding. it. So. West Virginia and Virginia aren't the same place? I thought one They're was not. just the west side of Virginia. So did I. Oh, oh. So did I. Oh, we'll gosh. We're going to have so many mad tweets to the to this episode. I love, it's be awesome. I love West Virginia. They know it. Yeah. It's fine. Dominating defense. Yes. Oh, gosh. And Letty Brown. Can we just – Letty Brown. Okay. Who's the second best running back in the Big 12? After, after Brees Hall – I mean, it's between him, Chuba, and, and Deuce Vaughn. I don't think it's Deuce right. Vaughn I don't because think Deuce Vaughn's either. more of a like multi-purpose weapon, really just guy. a running back. And he's kind of topped out. It seems like maybe not. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's between Letty and, and and Chuba. I think it's Letty Brown, which is crazy considering it how dominant be. Chuba was last year. Although I don't it know if be. if you believe ESPN, he's actually the best running back in the Big Twelve because we all know that Brees Hall plays for Iowa. That's correct. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> and Jamie is giving me <laughs> Jamie's giving me the side eye. <laughs> I, I can't say any more than I already had. Just, it just hurts me a little bit to talk, but I'm used to it. It's weird. People do the same thing for me. It's like you went to Kansas State, right? It's like, wouldn't Kansas be the mm. more known one nationally? Like people always what sport, like, what are, sport are to... we talking about? Football or basketball? Yes. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> so let's have the very difficult conversation that we have to have. TCU managed to score six points on Saturday. TCU on offense, bad again. And and that's kind of been the story of TCU, not just this season, but for the last few seasons. I mean, it continues to be a situation of too many cooks in the kitchen. We've got uh, Doug Meacham back, um, who's been in and out of there. We've got Sonny Cumbie, who's there, and his role changes all the time. Now Jerry Kill is some sort of advisory role. And the TCU offense, and yes, full credit to the fact that the offensive line has not been good, but that might also be in part to the fact that their offensive line coach, I don't believe, is an actual offensive line coach. He's a guy who coached other things and is now coaching the offensive line, and if there's any position you should have a specialist at, it's offensive line. But the TCU offense continues to be bad is is an understatement. Putrid is more accurate, and I'm not going to blame the quarterback because I still think that Duggan is a good quarterback. I think he's having to deal with a really bad offense. Um, And look, West Virginia's got a really good defense. But if you're TCU, you should be able to do more than than six points. My big overarching theme here with TCU is this. I'm I'm never someone who wants to go on a show and say, you should fire a head coach unless there's off-the-field issues. And I mean, you know, Hugh Freeze-level kinds of things. Um, But I think it's time we had the conversation that it might be, this might be it for Gary Patterson, and it might be time for him to either retire or for he and the school to have a mutual parting of ways because 
look, I know they went 11-3 and in 2017 and got to the Big 12 title game, and that was great. That's not the norm anymore. It's not down year, up year, down year, up year. It's now the outlier. Like, you've had four mediocre or bad seasons with one nice one in between. And honestly, you could argue, since they got to the Big 12, and if you want to say, well, the first few years in the Big 12, they had to build up their roster to compete in the Big 12, that's fine. But let's run through the records they've had since TCU joined the Big 12. 7-6, and 4-8, and 12-1, and 11-2, and, and full credit that 12-1 and one team should have been in the playoff. 6-7, and 11-3, and 7-6, 5-7. And they are currently three and four in the Big 12 this year. Uh, they do have Kansas left on the schedule, but they also have Oklahoma State left on the schedule. Whoever wants to kind of go first here, uh, feel free to agree, disagree, what you think. But I mean, Gary has done amazing things at TCU. TCU is on the map because of Gary Patterson, but you cannot continue to keep someone employed in a position based off of just past performance from years ago and keep hoping that something will change when at this point he has proven uh, or shown no ability to make it change or to make the moves necessary to make it change. I've been told I yeah. talk too much, so I'm going to let someone else jump in first. <laughs> it's funny. We all were silent and then all jump at the same time. I mean, it's That's tough. Podcasting. You, yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned it, you know, this is uh, this is a historically great coach. You know, it's a coach that got, got this program into the big 12 I mean, that, that's, that's a unbelievable, unbelievable accomplishment for him. And it's unparalleled seemingly to go that level of football, to the big 12. And I think you documented it. You know, they haven't been great since the, since joined the big 12, the one year with 12 and one season, but it's hard to be really good consistently playing at this foot this level. Just ask Kansas, who's probably uh, more of an FCS program at this point and has been for the last five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. But I, I guess I'm still, I'm still not there, you know, because I just have <laughs> Andy's County 10, 11. It's been a long time. Since that, that's insulting there. to FCS programs because North Dakota honestly State would, would, would I mean, beat Kansas soundly. Well, I didn't say a good FCS program. I just you just lumped them all into program. one room. Like, come on. I, Kansas I, has beaten some FCS teams, so they at least can, can hang on. So some, um, some. Some, not all, not, all. <laughs> not North Dakota State. Um, so I, I agree with the too many cooks in the kitchen. Just fire Sonny Cumbie and bring in Jerry Hill. I totally, I, I don't really understand that. I hate the idea of, you know, I've got an offensive coordinator and I bring in somebody to go on top of him. It, it's <laughs> that never works out. I just think they can't protect the quarterback and they they're not good defensively, which obviously falls in Gary Patterson. But they, they just give up far too many big plays. It's just unbelievable. I mean, even in this game, you know, you wouldn't think West Virginia scores 24 points. It was about the big play, but it was. Letty Brown, long runs that just killed them. I mean, in every game, that's what it's been. And so, I mean, when you have a defense that just hemorrhages big plays and you have an offense that doesn't really know what it is or what it has, then this is what you have. I, I mean, I put a lot of it on coaching. It's hard not to. It's hard not to, especially on offense. It's like, who's your, who's your best running back? We saw Darlin Barlow and uh, Zachary Evans emerge last week. And then this week it's like, who's this, who's this guy now? Like they just don't have enough weapons. They, but, but I, I just think it starts with their offensive line. You mentioned it's been bad all year. So maybe, maybe I should be there, Philip, but I guess I've just, for me, he's bought enough. Patterson's bought enough equity over the years that, I still think they have a lot of pieces there that will be back next year that 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm buying into the 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 hype. But I mean, Duggan doesn't seem that bad, and I don't I don't attribute a lot of their failures this year to Duggan. Maybe I should. But the offense, I just can't, I can't get over the offensive line and how hard it is to play quarterback when you're constantly under duress. Go ahead, Jamie. Okay. Well, okay. So logistically coming into this season, my thought was always that obviously some schools will always fire their coach, you know, no matter what happens, but you better have a really, really good reason to in this year fire your coach because let's think about the place you're going to be at financially. I don't know what his contract looks like. So I don't know what buyouts or anything like that looks like, but to hire a new coach, it's going to be a huge pain to go through any of that. Well, and there's no firing Gary Patterson Yeah. at this point. If you're TCU, you're not, you can't fire him. Right. It's just not going to happen. They have a statue of him, (laughs) you know? So, but in general, and so then it, I mean, that, obviously takes that out of the equation but still I mean the issue is that we acknowledge that this is an abnormal year sure should you be better this year probably should you be better just overall if you're TCU because the school expects better yeah but I just have a really hard time saying that this year is the breaking point for anyone who may be kind of on the fringe so I mean in in general sure maybe it would be worth consideration For me, my opinion is that I think that people need to be given a lot more grace this year. However, do I think that that'll be the case? Absolutely not. Because people are demanding boosters are demanding. There's, there's not a lot of, again, grace given in college athletics, but I just have a hard time saying that make or break year should be a year that in any given week, you can have players out, you don't get a normal preseason, you know, any of that. Do I think that changes should be made as far as staffing and all that goes? Absolutely. Do I think that next year should be the make or break year for them potentially? Sure. Fine. But I just have a really hard time for, especially someone in his position for this to be the make or break year. It's just like, I mean, maybe give it another year is how I feel about it. I mean, hold on to that. I, I get that thought, and I do. And if 2024 TCU was setting up to look like a year where it was setting up for 2021, I would I would understand that. But nothing about what we've seen from TCU this year makes me go, okay, they're building to next year, and next year's the year. Now it feels like, okay, so now we're kind of, now 2021 will build to 2022 and and hopefully that will work out and our quarterback won't be so beat up and broken from a lack of development that we won't have to move it. Like, I don't, I don't see anything and haven't for the past few years at TCU to get at this point to have any belief that things are suddenly going to get better. A switch is going to get flipped as long as they keep doing things the way they keep doing them. It's kind of like... Uh, D'Antoni was doing at, at Michigan State. I think that's the comp. You know, he literally took his coaching staff and just moved them all into new positions because he wouldn't fire anybody. Yeah. That kind of feels like what Gary's doing here at TCU now is he's he's gotten to that point where he's being stubborn. He's going to stick with he, he. I'm pulling in more of my guys, more guys on my side, which is great if that works, but it's not working. And I understand this season is weird and it's COVID and it's hard to to judge things fairly, but we're at the point in this season where the COVID excuse 
isn't as strong as it was, and we're not seeing TCU get any better. At this point, I mean, realistically, they've got Kansas. Okay, great. But we've seen them lose to Kansas before, and they've got Oklahoma State at home left on the schedule. Four and five is is yeah. is a is best. At best to me, that's four and five. And and I don't think they're gonna lose to Kansas. I'm sorry, Kansas. I think Kansas is that bad this year, but you're you're four so and five. Thank goodness you escaped SM not having to play SMU at the beginning of the season, because that would have been a loss. Oh gosh. That would and have now been you horrible. look at TCU and you look into next year and what gives you any faith other than well they've they've had down years and then up years again afterwards before. It's been so long since that has happened. You can't fall back on that anymore. Yeah, the biggest problem for me is this this reeks to me of the Kansas State situation before Bill Snyder left the first time, where he had been falling off and everybody was like, we need to do something. And they finally convinced him to leave. And then Ron Prince steps in and the bottom falls out entirely at that point. So like, I think what the problem here is that Gary Patterson doesn't want to leave. He thinks that he can get back to what he did. And that's why he brought Doug Meacham back this year. The problem, like trying to recreate that wonderful offense they had with Sonny Cumbie and Doug Meacham working together. But then he added, you know, kill on top of that, which kind of completely killed any kind of rapport that they had going uh-huh. on there. But um, no, no pun intended, but the yeah, act intended. Um, anyway, but the, 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 the main problem here is that TCU is afraid, I think, to even bring it up because they saw what happened to Kansas State when they got rid of Snyder, the guy that had built their program to where it was, that was the face of that program for so long, they don't want to go the Ron Prince direction like Kansas State did and then have to bring try to bring Gary Patterson back in a few years to hope that he can turn, turn it around again. I'm like, they're, they're in a very, very similar situation to where Kansas State was. And I think they're scared at this point to really, you know, actually evaluate the program and where they're at and try to come up with a real solution. Their thought is that, well, Bill Snyder was able to eventually turn it around. I mean, yeah, he left and then came back, but he was able to turn it around. So, I mean, I've got to think that Gary Patterson can do something similar and it's just not working. He needs that wake up call. Something needs to happen to change his approach because it's just not working. It's just getting worse. I think it's really easy for us in podcast world and journalism world and sports world outside of fan bases and schools to make judgment calls like this. And it is really easy. It has no effect on me outside of being a big 12 fan and someone who actually wants to see TCU succeed because I enjoy it when they're good. But it's a hard decision to make, especially with someone who is literally has a statue. Like it is not an easy move to make because there's that whole like, well, what if we don't make the right hire? You cannot allow the fear of the wrong hire to dictate your decisions moving forward and force you to stick around with somebody far past what they've done. Because at a certain point, like what you've done in the past becomes further and further in the past and has a less and less ability to benefit you in the future, the further it gets away. Um, by the way, uh, TC uh, Patterson got a contract extension in 2017 to 2024. Nobody knows if he has a buyout or what it is because they're private universities. They don't have to release that information. They're not going to. And shout out to Parker who basically said (laughs) it doesn't exist. So, um, look to me from the outsider looking in, from the outsider looking in, like you're another, you come to next year. What, what do you do? And then you come to the next year and then what do you like, Unless he is willing to really make the staff moves necessary to change and adapt and get and, and fix this team, you're just going to see the same thing next year. And I just – do you really see Gary Patterson? If, he, if they are so scared to fire him, how are they going to even have the gall to go to him and say, you need to really make coaching staff changes to fix things? 
Like they're not. If they if they can't fire him, they're not going to tell him what to do in his program. He's been doing it for too long. And I I don't necessarily buy the idea that you can't find a good coach to play. I'd be on the phone to Justin Wilcox at Cal immediately and doing everything I could to get him down to TCU. He make it's there are good coaches to hire to keep succeeding. You don't have to hire Ron Prince. Yeah, no, no, like no. I, I was saying they're afraid that. If they find a way to separate him from the university, I don't know what that would look like. But if if they found a way for them to move on, the concern is that we convinced, you know, we orchestrated this so that we could move on. And then you hire the wrong guy because Ron Prince was supposed to be an up and coming coach at that point. Like, yeah, there was definitely some warning signs there. But I think every coach that you could theoretically hire at this point is going to have some sort of warning sign. And you just have to hope that, you know, what that is isn't going to end up being an issue like there wasn't any clear indication that Ron Prince was going to flop the way that he did at Kansas State. And so that's what you really kind of have to worry about is that, and, and, and I'm not saying that they should find a way to move on from Gary Patterson, but they have to do something because the trajectory that they're on is just not working. You know, I don't want to see him go because I would like to see him be successful and decide when he wants to retire. But if he's going to continue to run the program into the ground because he's afraid to change things or unwilling to change things, then they've got to have a hard conversation somewhere and find some way to get through to him that changes have to be made. I don't know what the changes look like. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't pretend to know enough to say what this is the magic pill that's going to fix the TCU program right now, but they've got to do something and it doesn't look like they're doing anything right now. The last thing I'll add to this, I would say is um, you go back, look at their last three seasons and you can really draw a straight line between some issues at quarterback I mean, go back to the year that they won the cheese it Bowl in one of the worst games ever. Um, and it was like, I mean, they just had injuries and guys transfer out and just bad luck at quarterback. I mean, they were on their like sixth quarterback at that point. And then last year, you get a true freshman in Duggan. You know, you try to alternate between Delton, but, you know, you did what you could with Duggan. And then, you know, you who knows how much what Doug was able to do this offseason when it was like we weren't even sure he was going to play football again when the heart condition was found out. So the fact that he, you know, he got ready the time that he did, again, we don't really know the work that went in and maybe he, you know, worked through it, but it certainly seemed like, you know, there was a lot of unknowns on his availability and future and, and mixed in with the pandemic, like how much was he able to train and get ready for the season. So maybe I'm making excuses, but I also see issues at quarterback. And now this year, beyond the, the issue with the quarterback coming in, again, there's the bad line, which is just a major struggle for, you know, for any team, obviously. Yeah, fair enough. Look, if you're a TCU fan and you're having a hard time, and 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 look, maybe you maybe you'd like to pour yourself a glass of something strong to help you get through the week. Might I suggest hiding it in a cup of lazy fair coffee? Ethically sourced beans from around the world, roasted right in the heart of Big Twelve country. They got flavors for everyone. This is really really good cup of coffee. That Jamie herself can vouch, and myself can vouch as well. Go to lazyfaircoffee.com. L a z y f a i r coffee. Use the promo code 1012, get 10% off your order. It's a really good deal, especially if you live in DFW. You get free delivery in the DFW area because, of course, they're roasting in DFW, so it's not really that far. Pretty sure you've got someone on your holiday shopping list who's a big coffee snob, a big coffee fan. This is the right bean for them, whether you go with the Tanzania Delight, the Honduran Sunrise, the Good Morning Vietnam. Uh, if you've got someone who likes something that's a little bit lighter, uh, I believe that the description of the uh, Cafe New Guinea is basically... Uh, it's like it's like tea but on crack like supercharged tea you want some supercharged tea something light fruity but it's going to give you a kick in the pants cafe new guinea is for you so lazyfaircoffee.com 
L-A-Z-Y. But I don't want crack, Philip. No, I wouldn't suggest anyone <laughs> does crack. Least. Okay. <laughs> I don't. To clarify, Tensil Podcast clarify. is anti-crack. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I am. Let's just, crack is <laughs> whack, I believe is the phrase. LazyFairCoffee.com. <laughs> Tristan's going to be like, what was that ad read? I'm not paying for that. <laughs> L-A-Z-Y-F-A-I-R, coffee.com. 10-12, get you 10% off your order. Enjoy a really good cup of coffee this weekend. What is it, the water boy? Where LT's like, and one more thing. Don't smoke crack. <laughs> <laughs> it was the water boy. I was thinking of that, actually, during that. Though. It was awesome. <sighs> Not with Damian Tomlinson yeah. for your TCU fans. Oh, yeah. I will always be sad <sighs> that they that he didn't win a Super Bowl. I'm just, I'm just, I just am. I wanted them to. Okay. Um, so that's enough of last week and that's enough. I'm sure TCU fans are like, we don't want to talk about it anymore. And that's fair. I wouldn't want to either. Like I'm going to have to have a discussion about Mike Gundy here in the next couple of years. I can, I can feel it coming. I can feel it in my bones. Um, speaking of Mike Gundy in Oklahoma state, we don't normally preview games, but when you have two games this big coming up the next weekend, then that's, that's what we're going to do. Bedlam and Farmageddon, which by the way, can we just officially call it Farmageddon? Can we just please make that an official thing that everyone says and has a cool trophy? We've talked about the trophy before. Make it Farmageddon. Jamie, you know what? I'm gonna we're gonna talk Farmageddon first because I know you're you're itching and excited. Wait, what's the trophy? Now now you have me thinking. They don't have one, but what's the trophy? What, uh, I was thinking, no, no, I know, but what what do you think about the trophy? State fans want a, uh, we want a um tractor that gets hauled back and forth between campuses and whoever wins gets to paint it. Yeah, no, so like they're actually- We've been rallying for it for- for I was saying, there was a huge Reddit discussion I saw a few years ago where they literally were talking, like someone had- Someone had even offered to donate a tractor for this. Like they literally wanted it to be like the largest trophy- in college football history as an actual tractor, like a combine Just riding the tractor on the field after you win. That would be amazing. You <laughs> see them like awesome. winning and then driving the tractor off the field. It's like Mark like, Lynch. It's, it's going to have like a nice spot to like plant the flag so you can just drive off with it if you win. <laughs> see, I was all I for just like a tractor turned into a life-size transformer just parked immediately halfway between Iowa State's campus and Kansas State's campus. And you just flip the flag, whoever wins that year. And I don't care if it's next to a highway or in the middle of some farmer's field. Just like it has to be straight line halfway there some side so attraction to see the farmageddon transformer plus farmageddon sounds like a transformer from the like later later transfer where michael bay is just like let's let's just make ideas. something hey, about a tractor farmageddon <laughs> done yes they ran out of ideas the first one though <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's what i'm for um okay so farmageddon iowa state kansas state meeting up in Ames, Iowa, Iowa State obviously uh, five and two on the season. Just one loss in conference play. They literally control their own destiny. Win out, and they're going to go to the Big Twelve title game. Uh, you know, they 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 could consider themselves in playoff contention if not for that loss to Louisiana. But we won't go there, Jamie, because I don't want to see you turn Iowa State red. Uh, they are facing a Kansas State team Too that, late. coming off of a very close loss to Oklahoma State uh, right before the Idol Week. But this is a Kansas State team, back-to-back losses to OSU and West Virginia. Uh, Will Howard, now the, the starting quarterback, and they just haven't been the same. This is still a good defense, still a good West Virginia team, but it feels like without Skylar Thompson, they're just not quite the same. Meanwhile, Iowa State, a team that usually has success in October and then seems to see it trail off after, 
They lost to Oklahoma State. I understand it was wins over Kansas and Baylor, and how much can you really say over Kansas and Baylor, especially a Baylor team where you had to come back from a huge halftime deficit. But Iowa State's still winning, marching along. I am pumped for this game. What I'm really pumped for is that thank you, college football gods, for not putting Farmageddon and Bedlam on at the same time because I would have been very angry. I'm excited to watch this. Jamie is our, our resident Iowa State fan. Why don't, why don't you take your thoughts on this matchup first? Uh, well, I feel a little bit better because the Baylor game is one of those games that we historically would have dropped. And so I don't feel as worried about doing something ridiculous like that. But to be in control of our own destiny atop the Big 12, this is heretofore uncharted territory as far as the Cyclones are concerned. We do not know what to do with ourselves. It's like in Talladega Nights when Ricky Bobby's getting interviewed for the first time and he doesn't know what to do with his hands. That's how I feel watching football all the time. I just don't know what to do with my hands. So (laughs) besides that, I feel great. I'm excited. I think it'll be a great game. I think it's a great game time. Uh, I haven't looked at the forecast up to Saturday, but it's actually supposed to warm up a little bit in Ames, which is great because it got real cold for a while there. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's a really good chance to either be able to say we're like we've turned that corner where we we can be great. Like sometimes there's years where we look like we could be great and it gets down to it and they just don't want to be great. But a win here, and you're one step closer to the championship game. You're one step closer to probably the best season in school history, which I wish I hadn't even said that because I can't even begin to like comprehend that either. But, ha, huh, yeah, there's a lot going on. But I still feel good about it, which maybe I shouldn't, but I do. So I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. As many times as I've driven this, I'm disappointed I had to look it up. But the problem, Philip, with your idea is the middle between Manhattan and Ames is Missouri, somewhere in Missouri. So that's you, you can't do that. You can't have it in Missouri. That'd be ridiculous. I mean, we're talking about a life-size tra- F tractor turned into a transformer as a trophy for a football game. I don't well, think ridiculous saying... is really a concern in this situation. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what the obvious solution for that is then? You set up one side in Kansas, one side in Iowa, and whoever wins, you have to drive it from the other site to, or drive it to the correct site at that point. So to live in two different places, it just depends on who wins. Some company did make one for this year that's like a silo, and it's just some small like ad company, and half of the silo, half the little trophy that's not approved by anyone is their company name. They just like really went for it, and we're like, here, we'll sponsor it. And they just made it. And obviously, neither school wants any part of it. They were just like, here you go. No one asked us, but here's our contribution. It was incredible. It's amazing. Uh, I um, I mean, shoot your shot, right? Exactly. I think... It's 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah, I mean, this is... I don't want to count Kansas State out because anytime I've done that, it seems like they bounce back. But, you know, look, uh, Will Will Howard's an admirable job at quarterback given the circumstances. I think it'd be 
be a man, would this be a big game if Skylar Thompson were still playing? I, I hate to say that because man, what how different would this year be for Kansas State if they had Skylar Thompson? But this game, holy cow, would this be this game would be as big as Bedlam. I feel like if Skylar Thompson were available just because of how much better they would be and more of a viable, legitimate contender. But mm-hmm. you know, look, they they scheme really well. They're a smart football team. I'm envious of Chris Kleiman. He's a really smart, good head coach that's coaching a team that I don't like. So it sucks because I really like him. But um, look, Iowa State, really good defensively and and really smart defensively. So I think they're going to do a really good job scheming against the young quarterback in this game. This is a this is a really good situation for, for a, you know, John Haycock defense. So I, you know, I like Iowa State in this game because of what they have and what they have on defense and how they can take advantage of Will Howard. But again, I hate counting out Kansas State because I did that when Will Howard came in and still in it. Yeah, this, this seems oddly familiar to a conversation you and I had, Ari, over on my podcast. But Kansas State is that team that right. you don't want to root for. Mainly right. because of allegiances, but uh, but that you can't help but actually kind of like what they're putting together there. Um, and yeah, it's not there all the way yet, but you can see the building pieces. You can see that the head coach in Kleiman is a really good head coach, and he just needs to get a few more pieces in there to turn this potentially into a consistent contender in the Big 12. I agree. I just don't think it's here yet. Interestingly enough, though, the top five teams in the Big 12 right now all technically all control their own destiny to be able to go to the Big 12 yeah. championship. So it is still a very crowded race. It is still going to be extremely difficult. But this week and, well, mainly this week is going to give us a much clearer picture of where we are in terms of who actually has a legitimate shot. Um, you know, if if Kansas State pulls this win off, there is no reason to think that they can't run the table the rest of the way with who they're playing. And so, like, this is going to be the game for them that determines what their season is going to be overall. I do agree. I don't think the Kansas State's able to do it because as much as, you know, Will Howard has made a lot of strides in the last few weeks, um, but he still has very, very big issues, which is to be expected with a true freshman who is stepping in halfway through a season because the main guy got injured. Um, And, you know, for all the problems that Iowa State's had on both offense and defense, I just think that they're still better than Kansas State. The question is going to be, does something weird happen? Like seems to have happened every single week. One of these games every week in the Big 12 has something just weird happen that gives us a result that we weren't expecting. This could be the game for that. And and I'm just, not, I'm not confident enough. I think it's going to be a different game, but I'm not confident enough to say that something weird is not going to happen in this game. So let me, let me say a couple of things. We all think Kansas State has a good defense and I believe they do. They do. And, and sometimes kind of total defense number, total defense is the worst statistic to care about. But if we want to talk about overall stat stuff, passing defense, Kansas State sixth in the big 12 this year, uh, scoring defense, they are fourth in the big 12. But here's where I think this game is going to come down to. Rushing defense, Kansas State 7th in the Big 12 this year, giving up 161 yards in the game. Um, and they are going up against the best running back in the Big 12 in Brees Hall. I, I think Will Howard's going to figure things out eventually. I think he looks like he might be a good quarterback. I think Kansas State's defense is going to play well. Um, I think Brock Purdy will play better than he did against Baylor. But this, this game is going to be Brees Hall versus Kansas State. And if that's the matchup that I think is going to matter, then I have Iowa State winning this. And I, and I, and I don't think it's going to be that close, uh, especially being on the road. You know, it's, it's one thing, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, very close game. Oklahoma State lucky to get that win. Look, Oklahoma State's offensive line is beat up. But Kansas State, 
in Manhattan, even with the transition to Kleiman, there's still just magic in Manhattan. There is. It, it, there, there is a, there is a magical, I swear they buried some like 1984 holiday bowl windbreaker of, of Snyder's like somewhere in that stadium. And that thing's going to keep the magic going until it like the earth is salted. But you with special teams of defense. I'm, to the I'm guessing there's probably you. more than one. <laughs> if you they, they like a horcrux. They are the horcruxes of Kansas State. If you can find them all and destroy them, Kansas State will go a whole season without returning a t- returning a kick for a touchdown. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, Voldemort he'd kill. <laughs> I mean, goes both ways. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Yeah. Also, Brees Hall is the best running back in the nation, by the way. Not just the big player. Yeah, yeah, He's the he best is. running back in America. Oh, and it's yeah, not like it's you. not fair. He <laughs> is not getting the Heisman talk he deserves. I understand the Heisman's right. quarterback award. The Heisman is it, we have to treat the Heisman with what it is. It's an overly regionally biased quarterback. Right, you should award. get some some mention though. You're right. But that he's barely even getting talked about. Yeah. I like Brock Purdy, but if Brees Hall's not the best running back in the country, Iowa State is not in the situation they are right now. Period. Done. End of story. Uh, yep. Brees Hall is that good. Brees Hall is the reason that Iowa State is in the position they're in right now. Look, if, if if he wasn't the running back that he was, they might have lost to Kansas. Like, that's how, you know, how much of a difference or how big of an impact he's made that the rest of the team hasn't been phenomenal like we are used to seeing. Like, Brock Purdy has been nowhere near as good as we're used to seeing him. That game against Baylor, like, it's honestly, it's not that hard to have a better game than you had against Baylor. Just don't throw three picks. I mean, it's like, Brees Hall has been like four more I, kick return for touchdowns away from winning that game. Yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> like four more of them. No, but I mean, I mean, you no, know, you're right. He was. But he was, I mean, it's one of those things. A, he was a destroyer of that game. Brock Actually, Hardy. I predicted before the game he'd have 200 yards. By the way, I predicted before that game he'd, he'd run for 200 oh, chances. He only went for 185. <laughs> Like understand, he is still he is the only running back in the nation who has a thousand yards rushing, the only one. And they didn't they didn't play still Saturday. They didn't play this week. Right. He didn't play. No one passed him. No one else hit a thousand. He is currently tied for seventh in the country at like nationally in scoring. That's how many points at at twelve points per game. Seventh. The 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 Mm -hmm. best is at sixteen. Um. He is the best running back in the twelve. He is going to be the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. I don't care. I get it. We can talk about Spencer Rattler all day. Brees Hall is the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year. It's decided. Unless he, like, breaks his ankle this week and doesn't play the rest of the season, he is. Um, and, Knock on wood. Yeah. And, yeah, seriously. And, frankly, he should be getting more Heisman buzz. But he is the reason. Look, I I think the line is, is Iowa State minus 10 is what it opened with is what I saw. Might be a little. Uh, that might be a little bit high, but on the road in Ames, I like Kansas State and Kleiman is so good. And Kleiman was the best hire of the four. And I like Neil Brown, but Kleiman was the best hire of the four two years ago. And Kansas State's moving in the right direction with him. But this is just not their year. It's not their year. It's not. And I, I, I think that. I think I am more comfortable picking the outcome of Bedlam than I am this game, but I still feel pretty comfortable about Iowa State. Fair. Cricket. Not sure what else there is to say about that. (laughs) I'm either really good at making points that no one can disagree with, or everyone's just like, eh, whatever. 
<laughs> no, on, honestly, I think it's because everybody else has already talked about the game, so there's really not much left to say. That's fine. We can move about on. this particular game, right. but that's okay. Well, we have one more we big all, game. You know, we're all just right. I know. Let's go, Kansas, Texas. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on. I've been hyping this game up all year long, Philip, since before the off season even started. You've got to give me the this. Timer. I know he's he, he's saying the timer. He told me I had one minute to talk about this game. If this look, were a TV show, we'd have a beautiful graphic for it too. Oh, I no, know it would be absolutely would fantastic. A, we'd have somebody holding a stopwatch that they found in their gym bag from like the '90s up to a screen. So <laughs> I have my phone here. We would not have a Jayhawk pointing down, though. You see, Andy, your Jayhawk is pointing to the south, like he's going down. Well, <laughs> no, he's he's getting ready to dive bomb that Texas defense. Like the Chicago White Sox, who uh, who had uh, guaranteed right field with an arrow pointing down. Oh gosh! Oh yes, I remember that. That was so ridiculous. But no, so this this right, game ready? here. We'll put it, we're gonna start. Ready? You okay, fine. Officially fine. on. You can go clock. ahead and time me. All right. So this game, look, I realize that everybody thinks I'm delusional, but we saw this Crazy. last year. Kansas coming out of a bye. Okay, Brent Deerman having an opportunity to game plan. Everybody thought that the Kansas offense was going absolutely nowhere, okay? Offensive line was having some issues last year as well. (laughs) This counts, by the way. The timer keeps moving, this counts. This is not a good this sign for Kansas making, that Andy's... This is actually Andy making a pretty good argument for Kansas to beat Texas right now. This. Uh, in in podcast land, Andy's Andy froze, um, which is just the perfect sign for what's going to happen to Kansas on Saturday. Also, and, you can only see his face right now on what he's frozen on. Yep. And that's it. Really good points too. What? What? What I'll add to this, if we're not going to edit this, no, we're not. This is this is too good. It's too good. It's too good. (laughs) Is maybe if Kansas didn't almost beat them last year, like there's just no way. Okay, we got Andy back. You lost your minute, Andy. You froze for 30 oh, seconds. Oh, no, it's, it's all here in my recording. So when Philip gets my audio, it will all be there. I'm not going to use so. that. <laughs> oh, yes, you will. Because if you don't, I will find you. It, it was so you much freezing midway through. It was so much funnier this way. Okay. <clears throat> so. <laughs> I a screenshot of it, too. <laughs> Did you? I'm going to need that because I'm going to have to tweet it out tomorrow. That's literally going to be the like, image my, that goes My internet gave out, the episode. which tells me. That my internet decided that what I was saying was absolutely ridiculous as well, and it didn't want me to be able to finish <laughs> we, it for you we guys. Agree. So. <laughs> we agree. We all agree. And maybe if they didn't almost beat them last year, you could maybe surprise them. But the fact that that happened last year, like they're going to be even more ready. And and they, I mean, they're they're playing like a team that figures knows what's at stake. I, I mean, you've watched I, this team, Andy, for more than five minutes. Jalen well, Daniels is going to be good. No, they what I have an offensive line and some semblance of anything on offense. Defense. What I have watched is the fact that the refs really want Texas to be good this year. And so the last two games they played, they Sound have like absolutely saved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the the, the refs have absolutely saved Texas in the last two games that they had. I don't think they're going to need it against Kansas, honestly, if I'm objective, being objective for this game. 
but I've got to have something. I got to give myself something this year. And this is the one that I've been holding on to all year long. I am not going to give it up until Kansas is down by four touchdowns in the middle of the fourth quarter. Uh, I've decided that because you have, have been on this train for so long or minecart or whatever you want to say, like you've been pit, you've been saying this for so long. There has to be some recourse when Kansas doesn't win. Like you can't be this adamant about it for this long and have no, and just be like, well, I was wrong on to the next big theory that I'm going to hammer for another year and be wrong about. Like there has to be now, some look, recourse I, to win. I Texas already said wins. that if I'm wrong, I'm just going to pretend like the last, you know, six months didn't happen when it comes to the game. So. That's not, we're, we're going to, we'll do something. I've, I've decided. Okay. We'll figure something out. I'm sure we will. Uh, so if, uh, to, to backtrack to Iowa State, if you're an Iowa State fan, not only do you have Farmageddon this Saturday, you have another huge matchup if you get past this one and Texas escapes Kansas against Texas the right. following Friday. So Iowa State's got back-to-back huge games. And you know what? A really good way to be able to sit down and watch those games and cheer is with a fantastic Iowa State shirt from Homefield Apparel. Vintage thoroughly researched awesome very comfortable college apparel they've got more than 100 schools available now including baylor and iowa state look if you aren't following them if you haven't read the article on the athletic about their story if you haven't listened to our interview with connor earlier this season if you haven't gone to their website if you haven't followed them on twitter first off are you new to the show because we've been talking about them for a while and i don't know how many times i have to say that they're awesome before you go check them out for yourself these are people who care about college athletics, care about digging into the past of schools to find the coolest looking logos and designs to put on t-shirts and hoodies and sweaters. Okay. But I have an Iowa State shirt because it's awesome. I have a, have a Rolling Rock shirt because it's awesome. Um, I'm going to buy more. I'm going to buy a Memphis State shirt because I live near Memphis and it's kind of fun. And I'm half tempted to buy a Delaware shirt because it's the Blue Hens and they're awesome. Go to Homefield Apparel. I feel like we all need an Indiana shirt as well. I mean, but. in honor of the fact that they're huge Indiana fans and nine Windiana is still in play so far. I, I, also, they have the Tulane like green wave if you want that logo, which is probably one of the coolest retro logos in all of college sports period. They have that one. Homefieldapparel.com. Promo code 1012, all cap and one 2 Get 20% off your first order. All orders of $50 or more are free shipping. And because I don't know who's going to go there and be like, I'm just going to hold myself to one shirt. Bull, I don't believe you. I don't think you're a real person. You're obviously a bot. And there's 1,200 more of you repeating that exact same message. So homefieldapparel.com, 1012 gets you 20% off for your first order. Be rocking some awesome, comfortable vintage sports apparel this weekend especially iowa state fans you guys really 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 i know you i have iowa state fans who listen to the show i see where all my plays come from uh, state of iowa you guys need to go see it would have been a perfect punishment for me to make me buy a texas shirt if they had you know won this weekend except unfortunately homefield Apparel does not have texas yet so maybe instead i will just have to buy my wife multiple rice owl you know Hoodies what, and what other schools do you like not like? So. Ooh, I should make you buy an Iowa shirt. No, we're going to do a deal with Jamie. If, well, no, Sherry's eyes on Iowa shirts. We've already had that conversation. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about... Make him buy a Bucknell shirt. But that would be awesome. Oh, no. Don't don't make <gasps> me do that. Ooh, that's good. Oh, Ari, you're a gem. Okay. Mm. If you lose, mm. you're buying a Bucknell shirt. I don't know. I'm, we'll I'm have to have that discussion. basically a traitor at this point to Andy. I'm sorry, Andy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Do you have to get the orange one with the bison on it? Like, not the bee, like, you got to get Ugh. the orange one with the bison. 
I'm just going to we'll go see. back that and find... That may be a little too harsh. I'm going to go back and find all the other schools that Kansas got upset by in the tournament and see who else they have. This is going to be a fun side They lost to Bradley and Bucknell in back-to-back years. Ooh, I'm pretty sure they have Bradley. Seriously. Uh, they have Bradley. Yes, they have Bradley two and of the Bucknell. Four years, two of the four years I attended Kansas, they lost in the first round. They lost in the national championship game my senior year of high school to Carmelo Anthony and Jerry McNamara, and then they won the national championship they gave the year after I graduated. <laughs> yeah, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Are you sure you're not reading off my life story? Because that's the exact same thing happened to me. (laughs) It's almost like we went to school at the same time. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. All right. So I'm going to let you guys just reminisce about K-State sad days. Oh, they do have Bradley and Oh, that's funny. That's a good one. Okay. Um, That's a good one. Thank you. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Bedlam on Saturday night, 6.30 ABC. Game day is headed to Norman for the first time in a very long time. I can read you a whole lot of stats that tell you that Oklahoma has dominated the series. The win-loss record should tell you that. I can tell you about how Oklahoma State's only won one game with game day in town. That would actually be a 2013 game over over Baylor. Uh, I can read you this great stat that I think matters the most for this weekend. This one coming from Caden McFarland, so props to him. In the last 12 games, only one Oklahoma State opponent has averaged more than six yards per play against the Cowboys' defense, and only one has scored four or more offensive touchdowns in regulation. That would be Oklahoma with both of those stats. So even during Oklahoma State's fantastic run on defense, and that really started last year against Iowa State and has continued in through this season, one team has been able to still put up points and yards against them, and that's Oklahoma. Look, this is not the Oklahoma from the start of the year. This is an Oklahoma team that is healthy. This is an Oklahoma team with an offensive line that is healthy. A Spencer Rattler who is playing better and better and better. And a team with its suspended players back, including Armande Stevenson, who has been a huge thing for them. And I understand who Oklahoma has played since those players came back in Texas Tech and Kansas. I get that. But the Oklahoma at the beginning of the season would have struggled with Texas Tech and maybe, well, no, not Kansas, but with Texas Tech. They trounced Texas Tech on the road. They trounced Kansas and could have done it by more. This is the Kansas we ex- or this is the Oklahoma we expect to see. And now they look like this. And they get to face an Oklahoma State team who, while they have a really good defense, have a beat up offensive line. A beat up offensive line. And a quarterback in Spencer Sanders who seems to have a problem turning the ball over. And yes, he didn't have a turnover against Kansas State, but I could also point two opportunities for Kansas State to gain turnovers where they failed to do so, and that wasn't that's, that's not because Spencer Sanders played a good game. It's because Kansas State just failed to force those turnovers. I am an Oklahoma State fan at heart. We have talked about this on the show ad nauseum, um, and I have a simple rule I've established since the end of last year. Oklahoma is going to win this game. I will not predict Oklahoma State to win a Bedlam game. I don't mean that as a narcissist or a pe- narcissist, as a pessimist or a negative individual, simply because I know history. I've done this before, and I will not allow my hopes to get up. And there's no reason, based off of what we've seen from the two teams over the last couple of weeks, to believe that Oklahoma State's going to beat Oklahoma this year in Bedlam. I mean, I have a hard time arguing with any of that, except for the fact that I still refuse to believe that Oklahoma's going to make it to the Big 12 Championship, and they have to lose this game for that to happen. So, look, I am going to carry over my obnoxious, you know, unrealism from the uh, Kansas-Texas game over to this game as well. And I realize that Oklahoma is favored in this game. They should be favored in this game. Um, the only thing that concerns me, though, if I'm an Oklahoma fan, is that 
I'm not really sure what's been going on. I mean, in that game against Kansas, you know, he left Spencer Rattler in there who was clearly injured against Kansas for whatever reason and didn't really need to do it. So that could be, you could read that one of two ways, either not really understanding the situation and not really be able to do what's in the best interest of a team or having an absolute killer instinct and not really wanting to give up um, at any point and pull Rattler out. Even though, I mean, the problem is you could, you could really make an argument either way on there. I'm just concerned in general, the fact that Rattler was in that game for as long as he was when he was clearly injured and having trouble planting. Um, I don't know what that is actually going to translate into in this game against Oklahoma state. Um, But I mean, I agree with you. It's, it's definitely a good thing to be concerned about this game. But I just, I don't know. I, I get the feeling that this is the game where they lean on Chuba Hubbard. And the one thing that Oklahoma has not been able to do is shut down running games consistently for teams that actually have good running games. And so this is kind of this is kind of the only hope that I that I can ho- cling on to, hoping beyond all hope that Oklahoma State's going to win this game. It's the fact that they have, you know, they have a good running game. They have two running backs that can do very good things here. Um, you don't want to get into a shootout with this Oklahoma team, but I think that Oklahoma State can avoid that, can slow them down enough to keep this from being a, you know, 60 to 50 game or something like that. Jimmy, go ahead. Well, uh, we'll say that it's because we're recording a little bit later that I do not have the energy to yell at the camera about my, um, my picks <laughs> for the Big 12 championship game. We'll save that for maybe a later week. Honestly, I probably should have drank some lazy fair coffee or something to get that energy because after this week, I may not be able to yell about that anymore. However, man, I don't know. I feel like I still don't see Oklahoma as a completely different team from the beginning of the year. I think they're a significantly better team than the beginning of the year. I don't know that I'm ready to say that far and away they're my winners on the weekend. I think that there's plenty of things that could happen that makes Oklahoma State win this game. Do I think that it's more likely that Oklahoma wins? Sure. Which technically, does that mean that I'm picking Oklahoma? Yes. However, I... I don't know. Part of it is just wishful thinking that I would love to have a season where Oklahoma isn't at the top of everything again. But at the same time, I do still think that Oklahoma State has even more potential than they've shown in some of these games. I think that some of their players are better than they've been playing. I think that Shuba Hubbard's a heck of a lot better than he's played in some of these games. And so would I love to see that happen? Absolutely. Do I think that for sure it will? I don't know. But Either way, I think it's going to be a heck of a game. Very non-committal. Yeah, I mean, and look, as as somebody that roots for dominance for in college basketball in the Big Twelve, I'm I'm okay with dominance in football in the Big Twelve too. So, I mean, Kansas and Oklahoma, I'm fine with with what they have going on in basketball and football. Just to throw Kansas in here in some in some way in a positive light. Um, so, but I, I do kind of generally feel that way too. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm okay rooting for Oklahoma. I don't know why. I also like, like Lincoln Riley a lot. I do agree with you that it's going to be, this is a game that's going to live up to the billing. Like, I think this is going to be a really good game. I just don't see a way this doesn't come down to the end. Uh, Andy, great point about the run game, because I look at this game. The first thing I looked at was how good Oklahoma's defensive line has played of late. And now I'm concerned about Spencer, 
Spencer Sanders and interceptions and turnovers and sacks against, as, as Phil, as you mentioned, the Oklahoma State offensive line. So that, I mean, that's a weird, I mean, he's Oklahoma State going to be able to run the football and are they going to stick to it? Um, you know, and, and we'll, we'll see if they kind of remain consistent in trying to get the, the ground game going in this game. But yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's changed their defensive front is really good. It's come on. I mean, they're the number one defensive front, I think, in the Big 12, maybe next to West Virginia's, but they haven't played yet. But I mean, I think they're number one in sacks, number two in tackles for loss. They're just disruptive. And then, yeah, offensively with Rondre Stevenson, this is a different offense because they need to run the football to be effective, and they could not run the ball at the beginning of the year, and that's why they lost. Period. They cannot run Lincoln Riley's offense effectively without running the ball. Period. And they couldn't do that at the beginning of the year. And that's why they lost the games they lost. So they started to run the game, the ball a little bit better down the stretch, but then getting Stevenson back is just, that's exactly what they needed. Um, so I, 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 I saw the, the line was like nine at this, it opened at nine. So it seems kind of outrageous, but I also kind of think those, you know, I just, Oklahoma's trending up and I, Oklahoma state just turns the ball over too much. We know that, you know, and that's, that's the, that's the, if they can run the ball, as Andy said, they're going to be, they'll be good. But if they don't stay with it and they get sacked and Sanders turns the ball over because they're getting after the quarterback, that's, that's where I see this game getting out of hand potentially. The other thing to keep in mind here, the games that they lost, it wasn't just that they weren't able to run the ball effectively. It's that the opponents made very good coaching decisions late in those games. And for whatever reason, Oklahoma, like they usually do this time, they were not able to adjust. And that makes you wonder what is going on coaching-wise. Was that an early-in-the-year type of thing? And we're not going to see those anymore. Um, that's that's why, you know, that Kansas game was so concerning to me as an Oklahoma, like, from, from an Oklahoma lens, is that there was some questionable coaching there that makes you wonder, are they completely over that from the beginning of the year? Or are they just that dominant in the last few weeks because of who they were playing? And, and, and so that's what makes me – like, this Oklahoma State team – is fairly close in terms of talent uh, overall. You know, I, there there is there is definitely spots where Oklahoma is much better, but there are spots where Oklahoma State is talent wise much better than Oklahoma at certain matchups. And so, like overall, this is much more like those little things can matter. If if Lincoln if if Lincoln Riley makes a poor coaching decision late in this game, you know, like we all know how much Gundy does that as well. But like I could actually see maybe that there's a coaching mistake by Lincoln Riley that we're not used to him seeing that could be the decision in this game. I, I don't know that I would have said that if, you know, if, if we hadn't seen what we saw last time against Kansas, or if we hadn't seen what happened against Kansas state and Iowa state where he wasn't just running everything up and down, you know, and, 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 and I mean, I think a, a big part of that was the fact that he had senior quarterbacks the last few years. If he made any of those kind of mistakes, those quarterbacks would kind of cover over it and do what they needed to do to, to make that work. They don't have that this year, and I don't think that Spencer Rattler is far enough along in his progression to be able to paper over any potential mistakes that Lincoln Riley might make coaching in this game. And so, again, I, I think that's just something to keep in mind, that this game could be a lot closer than a lot of people think it is because we have actually seen some quote-unquote mistakes from Lincoln Riley in the way that he's coached these games this year and has caused losses for them. So to two points, um, Ari... Uh, yes, Oklahoma leads the conference in sacks at 3.71 a game. Uh, Andy, to your point about teams not being able to run as much on Oklahoma, 
there. Uh, Oklahoma leads the conference in rushing defense, holding teams to an average of 98.6 yards. Only two people, two people have rushed for more than 100 yards on Oklahoma. Brees Hall and Sam Ellinger. No other running back, quarterback, no, no one else has rushed for 100 yards on Oklahoma. The only other team that I can find that did was Texas Tech, who put up 134 yards. Took four guys to do it. Um, this is a good rushing defense. So if I'm Oklahoma, I'm going to shut down Chuba Hubbard and make Spencer Sanders beat me. Um, the other thing I will note, along with the other things improving, the Oklahoma offensive line. Oklahoma always has stellar offensive lines. Fantastic. It wasn't great at the start of the season. It wasn't. It's playing a lot better now. And I would bet, I would put a large amount of my daughter's college savings on that position group that was essentially wiped out by COVID that Lincoln Riley wouldn't name at the beginning of the season. I would put a good deal of money on that being the offensive line group and then explaining why they were playing so poor at the end of the season. And at this point, because now that they're all healthy and caught back up, they're playing really well again. So that's another thing that goes in Oklahoma's favor. I just... I've been saying Oklahoma-Iowa State in the Big 12 title game for a few weeks. You guys continue to tell me, no, no, no. I understand you don't want to hear it. But I, I mean, the only way that doesn't happen is if it's Oklahoma and Texas because Texas beats Iowa State. And that's, I don't think anybody really wants to watch that again because I, I, I'm tired of the national guys being like, oh, that Red River game that was amazing. Just because a game goes four overtimes doesn't mean it was a good game. It was just a game that lasted forever. It was not a good game. But I think Oklahoma's there. I don't see Oklahoma beating Oklahoma State this weekend. I think it could be a close game. I think it will be a good game. I don't think Oklahoma's going to lose to Oklahoma State here because Oklahoma knows how much they now have in front of them and, and can do. And then after that, it's it's a road game at West Virginia and a home game against Baylor. And that road game against West Virginia could be really good. It could be a good game. It's a really good defense in West Virginia. I don't think West Virginia could score enough to keep up with Oklahoma. And no defense at this point is going to shut Oklahoma down. So... I think just go ahead and ride Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game. And if I'm wrong, I will I will be happy to be wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be. Here's hoping. Right. Ari's all like, yeah, cool. Go for OU. And that's fine. Like, I get it. They're good. And when they're good, it's fun to watch good teams win. Like, I'm, I understand that. And this is a Big 12 podcast. I don't have a problem with Oklahoma winning if they're the best team. Do I like some variety every once in a while? Sure. Yeah. And, and and some variety would be fun. Oklahoma, Texas this year, when neither one has seemed especially good, is kind of like, it's one thing when right. you're getting really good Oklahoma and really good Texas and you get really good games. That's fine. I'm all for it. When neither of those teams is especially great, but no one else can get there, then that's what we get. But it would be fun to see a, a good Iowa State and a good Oklahoma State team just for some variety. But, you know, the two best teams at this point are going to get there and the best team so at this point in the season looks to be Oklahoma and then whoever wins the Iowa State-Texas game in two weeks. Well, and look, you're you're 100 correct, and I agree with that. And and what I will say is, people that are surprised about Oklahoma State or Iowa State being in the conversation haven't paid attention to the Big 12, because these, I mean, especially Oklahoma State, this was supposed to be the year, right? I mean, and their defense has lived up to the billing. My goodness, their defense is the year in which Big 12 defenses are really good. Oklahoma State's probably is the best in the conference and has the most depth and is going to be good again next year. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I would say if we're, if we're trying to get the best football, you know, we're trying to see the best players, and the best teams compete at the highest level, which is the Big 12 championship, I would, I would put Oklahoma State in that, in that, in that mix for sure. And, and Iowa State too. Again, this shouldn't be a surprise that those two teams in particular are here where they are because they were experienced and good coming into the season. All right. 
Well, if nobody else has yeah, any other thoughts, unfortunately. Andy's, Andy's done talking about Kansas beating Texas, which isn't going to happen. So just whatever, man. Andy, I love having you on the show. I do. And you're, you're as fun as it can be. And I will, I will tolerate a lot of things, but that insanity has to end <laughs> and will finally end after this Saturday. And okay, I, wait, wait, wait. I love wait. you, man. What is, what is the, the main responsibility we have on this podcast? It's to entertain people. So I am more than willing to be the heel that is needed for this podcast to be entertaining. (laughs) Andy, Andy is thankfully the character who's tying helpless women to a train tracks with the train upcoming. That's, that's his role on the show complete with giant mustache that you can't see him. No, 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 no. That would be more like if I tied myself to the train tracks, thoroughly convinced that I was going to, find a way to miraculously escape for everyone's entertainment. Because let me tell you, if Kansas loses by four touchdowns, it, the only person who's going to hurt is me. No, I'm not going to hurt. I'm going, I'm, we're, we're going to find a way right, to make right. you. The only person who's going to hurt is me. Show not some week, poor random be person that's been tied to a railroad track. All right. Uh, I think we'll wrap because this is officially like our longest pod ever. And I'm fine with that, whatever. Cause it's a fun one. Uh, Thank you to everybody here, as always. Go follow Ari at RA Sports, and if you uh, are a Sirius XM subscriber, uh, you can get Big 12 Radio on channel 375 on channel... And if you're not, should be a Sirius, a Sirius XM subscriber. Definitely. Because I mean, you should. There's lots of great content, and, and radio companies are really poorly run, and they're firing people left and right. My buddy Chip Brown just lost a show from iHeartRadio in mm. Austin, Texas. They just got rid of that show. So what? support good programming and support companies that continue to support good programming like Sirius XM because there are a lot of bad and poorly run radio companies out there. Shout out iHeartRadio. There you go. So Big 12 Radio at channel 375 and channel 84 for ESPNU if you want to go hear Ari there. He also talks about the Dallas Cowboys, but I'm not going to plug that. Sorry, Ari. Uh, Jamie, <laughs> follow her on Twitter at jsteyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z if you want some cool arts and crafts things. And uh, I'm kidding. Basketball football and i think there you go there it is yeah, there we go and andy at andy mitts 12 that's m-i-t-t-s of course you can follow us the 10 12 podcast t-e-n the number 12 the word podcast on twitter t-e-n number 12 p-o-d on instagram where we post exclusive content and have wednesday instagram lives with guests who are always tbd until about five minutes beforehand uh, and of course leave us a rating and review so if you hate andy you can tell us that but tell us you love the show which is like five stars but i hate andy that's fine i would be happy to read that and we'll read it here live on the show for you uh, hit up Homefield Apparel, <laughs> homefieldapparel.com, 10, 12, get you 20% off your first order. Lazy Fair Coffee, there's no crack there, just coffee. Uh, you get 10% off your order there with the promo code 1012. Everybody enjoy Farmageddon, enjoy Bedlam, enjoy Texas curb stomping Kansas this weekend, and uh, I will be back on Thursday to make picks. Podcast Network.